Welcome to the Classic City Church Podcast. At C3, we exist to help people pattern their lives after Jesus. This message was first given as part of our teaching series at C3. So before Mitch uh, comes up and preaches to us this morning, I am going to continue to read uh, where we are in Mark. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can flip it open to Mark chapter 8, verse 1. You can follow on the screen behind me or... Uh, you can read on your Bible phone. Mark chapter 8, verse 1 says, During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The the people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up the seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of (laughs) Dalmathua. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Probably not. Verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply with them and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side the yeast of the Pharisees, and Herod. Verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, "Uh, It's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, Seven, he said to them, do you still not understand? Thank you. Sneak through here. Okay. Probably won't use this very much, but it's good to have a set up here. Good morning, by the way. As uh, John said, my name is Mitch Comparit. Um, I spoke here once before, and yes, John asked me to speak again. I know, I'm surprised too. Um, yeah, that's a lot. There's a lot there. 
And John said, we have to keep it within under three hours. So get comfortable, get a drink, and we'll get right through it. Uh, when John had asked me to talk about this, I was, um, I was really focusing on feeding the 4,000. I was really keyed up on that part. And I was thinking, let's do this. Sorry. Unscripted. It's going to distract me. Um, oh, thank you, Esther. Uh, I was really focusing on feeding the 4,000. Really keyed up on that. It's really important. And I got to look at that and study it and think about it. And I just was hitting a wall. And I was feeling like, I was feeling like, Either I'm looking at it wrong or I'm looking at this, the wrong part of this passage. The Holy Spirit is putting something on me not to look at this part of the passage. So I'm not going to go really deep into the feeding of the 4,000. It's the, the numbers and, and what Jesus does is really interesting. I'm going to talk about two things that are connected in it and then I'll move to the next part of the passage. So some people probably hear this and they go, didn't we already talk about this? Didn't we already discuss this? I mean, this was a couple weeks ago, John. Are you forgetting what you talked about? There was another story of Jesus feeding a group of people. Jesus feeding the 5,000. happened earlier in Mark. We talked about it. And the cool thing about both of these scenarios is Jesus does something before he feeds uh, the 5,000 and the 4,000. Jesus has compassion upon the people that he's going to feed. So when he feeds the 5,000... He sends the disciples out. The disciples come back, and people come back with him, come to Jesus. And Jesus sees this group of people, and he says, they're sheep without a shepherd. He, it says he has compassion upon them, and then he blesses the bread, looks up to the clouds, blesses the bread, and feeds the people. When, when Jesus feeds the 4,000, the people come to him from afar, and they're, it says he, he's with them for three days. Mark, he doesn't say what they do. In Matthew, it does. It says Jesus was healing those people for three days. So he was healing the lamed, the deaf, the dumb, and the maimed. And after those three days, he sees the people, and he says, I don't want them to fade on their long travel home. They have no food, so I want to bless them and give them food. Well, the interesting thing is the 5,000 was the Jewish people. The 4,000 was the Gentiles. But he has compassion for both. And it, it, that stuck out to me as an example that God sent his only son not just to save the Jews. It wasn't, it wasn't just to save that group of people. He sent it for the world, to have compassion upon the world. So that was the interesting part of that. There's also there's some discussion about what the numbers represent. We won't get into that today, unfortunately. Um, but it's very interesting. You guys should read into that about how the seven and seven baskets, the, the 5,000 resulted in 12 baskets. It's very interesting. Um, so after Jesus feeds the people, he, he dismisses them. Then he, he's, uh, uh, when they come into Dolman Utha, because I was saying Thua too, and I was like, is that right? I don't know if that's right, but regardless, Dolman Utha or Dolman Thua, some name that we don't have to worry about pronouncing. The Pharisees stop him. And it says that they, uh, I have King James Version also, so if the yees and the these distract people, I apologize. I've grown, uh, I've grown accustomed to reading it, so I, I enjoy the King James Version. But Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven. You hear that and you go, oh, that's not a big deal. I mean, we're told to ask Jesus for things. We're told to speak to God. The last part of that is tempting him. The Pharisees came to Jesus with a specific answer. They came to Jesus saying, if you're the Messiah, why don't you give us a sign, Jesus? Come on, give us a sign. 
Ironically, he just performed something incredible, a miracle, and they, they're not after that. They're after what happens in the next chapter is transfiguration. And he goes to show that what he says to them is, you're, you're looking for something that you're never going to get. And, and I read that generation word first. It says, why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given to this generation. And, and we hear that word generation and we think of a time slot of people, Gen Z, Gen X, baby boomer, so on and so forth. I was, when I was reading this, I was looking at the Greek. That generational word, and I don't have the Greek word, I apologize, but that generational word does account for a time slot of people, but it also represents a group of people, whether it's a social group, it, whether it's identity or family. So I think that word is tying more to an identity rather than a place in time. So the Pharisees represent themselves by their traditional, their legalistic nature, and that identifies them. So they go to Jesus with an expectation. Jesus, give us a sign, i.e. give us a specific sign to, to validate the way we feel, the way we think and live our lives. And he says to them, those who, val who are looking for this validation, you will see no sign. They get on the ship, and Jesus starts talking about beware of this leaven. Leaven, or yeast, is a fermenting agent. How it works is, and probably everyone knows, but I didn't know, so I researched it. Yeast eats sugar. And when it eats the sugar, it expels carbon dioxide. It expels carbon dioxide and makes little bubbles in dough, and the dough expands. And interestingly enough, at that time, yeast was precious. So what they would do is they would cut off small pieces of dough, bake that bread, and then add it to the next batch of dough, and the yeast would spread through that. So Jesus is warning, watch out for this little bit of leaven, because it will spread. And he says the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The Pharisees represent traditionalism, legalism, looking for a specific thing in Jesus instead of seeking out Jesus. And then he says, watch out for that of King Herod. And that made me think of the story right before this. Yeah, the story right before this, or before he sends out the, right after he sends out the disciples, King Herod has John the Baptist beheaded. King Herod, he gave up the relationship that he had, and he feared John the Baptist. He said he feared him because he was a holy man, and he had him beheaded to protect his worldly items, to protect his kingdom. So I think Jesus is warning them, watch out for the traditionalism and watch out for the worldly values. And the disciples go, oh, that's right, Jesus, and they take heed of it. No, they're worried about bread. They're worried about, we don't have enough bread. Dang it. Crap. He's talking about the bread. Jesus goes, what? Why? Why are you guys asking about bread? What are you talking about? And, he, and, and after he says, do you not understand, or in King James, I believe he says, perceive, Reason among themselves, it's because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. And there's three questions he asks them. I'm going to talk about the last two, then I'll talk about the first one. Mark 8, verse 18. Having eyes, see ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. When John asked me to talk about 
this today and to preach, I researched, I listened to quite a few preachers just to get an idea if I'm looking at it correct, if I'm seeing the correct thing. And almost always it seemed like the nature of the message was sometimes you just mess up. Sometimes you just need a kick in the tail to get a reminder. And, and this is a perfect example that the disciples just were off the path and that's just how we are. Sometimes we need to get you know, whipped around a little bit to remind ourselves. And I thought that, it makes sense. My, and my instinct is, yeah, I do need that. And then it made me think of why do we have this cyclical nature to our relationship? Why, why is, it, is it that I feel like I seek out Jesus, I get close to Jesus, something happens, something's disrupted, then I get swept out again, and then I go back, and I get swept out again, and go back, and it, it made me think, is that, is that my nature? Is my nature to be in a constant cyclical cycle where I'm just not gonna get it, and then I'll, then I'll do something, get it, and then get swept back out again? So I, I did some research. I looked into it. And those three questions really stuck out to me. Having eyes see ye not, having ears hear ye not. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe we're just not supposed to see everything. Maybe there's stuff that, that we can't see. There's stuff beyond us. We can't take enough in. And that research led me to Ecclesiastes 1, verse 8. This is Solomon writing uh, about his um, personal experience, about wisdom. And he says, he says here in verse 8, he says, All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. In the Hebrew, that word satisfied also ties to sated, like in your hunger. You have satiated hunger. And then ears to be filled. Eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. So if we're going off what Solomon's saying, you can never take too much in. There's never a point where you're like, that's all I need to hear. I'm done. Okay, if that's the case, maybe there's stuff that Jesus, that we just won't, we just don't get it because we're not supposed to get it. Not that we can't hear it, not that we can't see it, we're just not supposed to get it. So in that, that took me to John 15, 14 through 17. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain." And what silver shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. But I have chosen you, and ordained you, and you should go bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. So, me reading those two, and, and, and the, what I feel like the Lord is pressing on me, that it's not meant to, and I think that leads back to what Jesus is asking. You guys have eyes, and you're seeing it. You have ears and you're hearing it. So why don't you understand? The men that weren't getting this were given the authority to cast out demons. They were given the authority to heal. Why don't they still get it? It goes back to the first question he asked them. After he asked them, why don't you perceive? What does he say? 
pages are thin, I apologize. It's like a leaf. What does he say? He says, have ye your heart yet hardened? Okay. So I went and looked at the Greek word for hardened. And if, Pastor Rob, you might have to help me on this. It's P-O-R-O-O. And when I listened to Google, the pronunciation was Poro, but the O's have the weird little slash. So I might be butchering it. So if you're wondering, hey, how do I pronounce this? Pastor Bob is the authority on that. I'll give that to him. Poro. What's the definition of that? It is hardened, but there's also petrify and to render callous. So I soaked that in. I sat on that. I thought about it. And then those two things are not something, or they're not something that that an item or a thing has off from the get. What I mean by that is, is when you find petrified wood, the tree wasn't, it didn't grow petrified. Petrification comes from an organic item. Through pressure and time, the organic tissue gets replaced by minerals. It's taking a living thing and turning it to rock. Nothing starts out petrified. And then I thought about, what, how does a callus form? A callus forms from friction, pressure, and irritation. No baby that I know of, never had a baby, but is born with calluses. Okay. So it's, it's not in our nature to be that way. It, we're not destined to constantly go through repeated, oh, I don't get it, oh, I don't get it, well, I'm hearing it, I went and I heard it, and I'm around it, I'm seeing it. Well, is your heart yet hardened? Do you have a calloused heart still? And then it begs the question, okay, Mitch, you're so smart. How do you reverse petrification? There's nothing in this earthly world that can take a petrified piece of wood and turn it back to a tree. There's nothing in the Bible that man-made can revive flesh. Only the Holy Spirit can revive flesh. I think too often we look to count the miracles. We, and, and we use the, the disciples as a, rep, as a representation of, well, they were in it, they saw it, and it happened to them. Their hearts were so hardened. They were in the mix, and they still didn't get it. And that's not a justification for, well, I'll be there too. I think it's an example of, we have to address our hardened hearts. And I'm, I'm on that journey too. I, I'm, not, I'm not providing an answer. I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm saying from reading this word, the Holy Spirit's pressed in my heart that I've got to take care of some calluses too. That I've got to get some, some, uh, some reviving going on in my petrified heart before I can, I can start saying, well, I might get it next time. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Uh, I don't know where they're at. Oh, they're right there move this stuff out of the way, and, and I spoke to them. I think something that I was called to do this morning, oh. we're just gonna, we're not gonna worry about singing a song for a little bit. We're not gonna be concerned with making sure worship looks a certain way. I think, I think what we need to do in this moment is just open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and and allow some life to come back into some petrified hearts. And, and, and it, it doesn't need to be a checklist. It doesn't need to be, oh, I hope 
oh, sorry I did this, it just needs to be. Holy Father, come in and revive this heart. I can't do it without you. I can't, I, I, I can't produce to revive. It's gotta be you, Lord. It's gotta be you, Holy Spirit. So we're gonna set up here and we're just gonna, the band's just gonna play for a little bit. And I just want us to, to get in a space of opening ourselves up to the Lord. We hope that this message helps you to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Connect with us at classiccitychurch.org.